and yes, it is true that uh, lawyers uh, don't do free work most of the time. But the reason that things have to be ripped up is be and redone is because the law does not implement itself, especially on the planning side, unfortunately. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson. And per usual, I am joined by Rachel Sass. Rachel, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Brent? I'm doing well. You know, we got some rain, so I'm feeling good. We got Everything, a lot of rain. We got a lot of rain. This is, uh, I read today, the uh, wettest monsoon in recorded history already in Tucson. Wow. Yep. All That's... it takes around here is just a couple days of actual rain. Yeah. Like normal <laughs> rain for pretty much anywhere else. You get a little bit of that here for a few days and all of a sudden it breaks records. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I was out uh, yesterday. Yeah, I was out yesterday um, where, you know, it was drizzling the entire day and I was near the Rito River and it was almost bank to bank. And I could not believe how many cars were just stopped alongside of the road or people who literally just stopped in the road to take pictures of it because it's like a sight we'll never see, right? Normally our rivers are dry and full of trees and just dirt and rock and it was actually flowing. It's like, what is this? Incredible. <laughs> of course, it looks like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It does. You know, it's coming through. It's about 95% mud, 5% water. <laughs> Just a river of chocolate milk. <laughs> That's it. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. I notice the same thing every, every wash or river around here that is usually just a, a, a dry riverbed. Uh, first of all, they were all full. And then, and second of all, there were people parked staring at them mm -hmm. so because of the novelty of it all. Yeah. I saw someone had posted a really fun picture where, you know, their backyard is completely flooded. There's a few inches of, of water. They're like, mm -hmm. look at me. I got beachfront property now. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. My backyard floods. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we were joking that that was the pool. There you go. There yeah, you go. It's like you two inches water. of water, two inches of water out there. That's uh -huh. the pool. We did yeah. it. We put it in. <laughs> it was really cheap, too. That was the great part. Yeah. Super economical. Fortunately, it's uh, probably gone today. <laughs> it's gone today. It's all just mud now. Yeah. My brother lives in Houston, so he kind of laughs at us. You know, the the annual amount of rainfall here, that falls in like a matter of weeks in Houston. Or they could have, you know, storms that'll drop 10 inches of rain. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just the storm. And that's basically the whole year here. And then you break that up across the entire year. It's like, that's very little rain. And when I when I first moved back to Tucson or really from Arizona to Arizona generally from the East Coast, that was the first thing that I noticed when I came back. Even though I had grown up here, I'd gotten used to sort of East Coast weather. So when I came back, I kept waiting for it to rain. <laughs> just like day after day after day, no rain. And I was used to basically every week there was some rain event. And <laughs> You know, you'd go months, there was no rain. That was really odd. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. I think the funniest thing. So, you know, my husband's from Georgia and his big thing when he moved out here was he's just like, why do you guys call them rivers? They're they're <laughs> not rivers. There's like you have no water. Why are you calling them? like because they they are like that's the Santa Cruz and that's the Rito. And he's just like, no, I don't get it. There's, there's, there's no water. It's not a river. Don't yeah. call it that. <laughs> he, he's leading the protest. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like, no, no, no. They used to have water in them. 
they used to. Yeah, it's like a once a, in a decade type of event that will happen. Mm-hmm. You'll see some water and it's really awesome when it happens and then you won't see it for quite some time ever again. It's under the ground. It gets scared. It's very shy. There you it, go. It goes under the, under the ground. There you go. <laughs> I think now though, right now is the time of year where I went out in my backyard today and I'm like, oh my God, my plants are just completely overgrown. Like now my RA, I've got uh, yard work to do for the next couple of weekends, just trimming and trimming and never realized how much a good couple days worth of rain actually does to your yard. I'm like, wow, it's green. Okay. Yeah, it's strange. Plants like it. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Very, very weird. We we planted some flowers um, in our backyard the day before it really rained. It like like rained really hard Big that time. night. Yeah. We went out the next morning. They're just like all laid down. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like just pulverized. So we we fix them. We get them right side up. And after that, it didn't rain quite as hard. And they're perfectly happy now. So. <laughs> pretty hardy turns out you just add you add a little bit of the right kind of water and and they're usually pretty happy yeah it's weird pretty yeah right who knew who knew about that kind of stuff in the desert i know no wonder it was hard to grow anything before (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like i can't quite put my finger on it's like we were missing something before you know it's like there was some element to plant growth that we we just didn't have and i I, now (laughs) it seemed i feel like maybe i'm i'm circling around to the answer yeah, makes sense. Soil, light, and water. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. I I always thought right. coffee was the magic ingredient, <laughs> but I, I guess it's water. It usually is, but I think in that <laughs> case it's not. <laughs> well, speaking of all of the coffee that has been needed, um, it's been a busy <laughs> year. Uh, it seems like every year I say that. So you know, knock on wood, long may that continue in our professional lives. That's what you want uh, for you to have things to do uh, and clients to serve. So, you know, when we have them, we're very happy and we're lucky, but it's been a busy year somewhat. Some of it is driven, I think, by uh, expected or anticipated changes. What those changes are gonna be is anybody's guess. And then some of it I think is driven more just by happenstance and clients' lives and things happening in their lives. So I thought maybe we're we're roughly halfway through the year, maybe we would do a bit of a sort of, we're halfway through the year. What are the trends that we're seeing in our practice? What are the things that seem to be the hot topics in our practice? Um, you know, not giving away any sort of client confidentiality, co- client confidential information for anybody. So sorry if anybody's hoping for that, that's not going to happen, but at least, you know, <laughs> substantively, what, what are the things that we're seeing? I like it. I like it. Yeah. I feel like this has been a a different year. You just compared. Mm-hmm. And obviously 2020 was just a whole nother ball game. But I feel like this is just a different year in terms of overall the last couple of years in our practice, the things we've seen. And yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting then to see come December. We'll do this again. We'll see how the, the latter part of the year kind of ends. Yeah, on. really, really. I'm very curious. I think a lot of that's going to depend on what happens in Washington, D.C. between now and then. Yep, definitely. So one of the things that uh, I have noticed an uptick in is uh, prenuptial agreements. And that's not to say that we're divorce attorneys or anything like that, but 
when it comes to prenups that really deals with the property arrangement between two people and dealing with people's property and the taxes and uh, the complexities of, of owning and managing property. That's very much up our alley. So we end up representing clients in these prenuptial agreements. Do you feel like we've seen an uptick in prenups? Yeah, definitely. I say, yeah, prenups and postnuptial agreements, right? Yeah. For, for anyone who's wondering, mm-hmm. yeah, you've got, you've got the prenups and the postnups and you know, a lot, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about postnups and it's really, like you said, how you just described it right now is it's looking at how property is characterized. We were looking at it from a tax perspective. Um, if our clients are doing any sort of planning for the rest of the year, that really goes into it. And, you know, is property community property? Is it separate property, joint property? You got to look at all of that when you're playing into some of these um, bigger planning techniques. And we've just had a lot of it, both yeah, on the before marriage and the after marriage side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Both sides of it. And it's a little bit um, unromantic of a topic. <laughs> uh, it bursts some bubbles sometimes to sort of explain to people like, well, I know that you have ideas about what this marriage is, but in the eyes of the law and the legal profession, it's just two people entering into a property relationship. That's sort of it. So you're either like sorting out how things are going to be once you get into it or sorting out how things ought to be now that you are into it. Maybe some other event is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's always, it's the buzzkill conversation as you're planning your your nuptials and this wonderful honeymoon and your life of happiness together. And then I would say on the postnuptial side, it's at least a little bit more of a black and white technical conversation where we're looking at the bigger long-term planning picture. And so it's all right, you know, you've most of our clients, right, they've been together 10, 20 years at that point. And so it's really just like looking at all right, how, you know, how have you held your property up until this point? Um, sometimes, you know, couples do have like separate bank accounts. Sometimes everything's all combined together. And so just really analyzing that and then figuring out what is the most tax efficient way that we can kind of characterize everything going forward in the future. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. It's the kind of thing that usually is best done before you get married. Mm -hmm. It's a little harder to do after you get married. The legal standards a bit higher. So the the level of scrutiny could be higher, but the pre the prenuptial agreement is sort of where we hope that people will come see us. Uh, but that doesn't always happen, and sometimes there are planning reasons to do the postnuptial agreement. Yep, absolutely, yeah. I think the 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 premarital premarital agreements we. I, I typically see those in second marriages. I don't know what if if that's your um if you would say yeah. the same. I think yeah. I think it's typically at that point, you know, it's because maybe one person has generated more wealth, or in the instance where it is a first marriage, then at that point it might be because there's a lot of family money involved, there's trust for children, and so they kind of want to keep it in the family and not have any, you know, future ex spouses try and get a hold of the family money. But yeah, it's a pretty it's it's scary to start the conversation. But then once you're in it, especially for us, it's just very kind of black and white. This is how we're going to do things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that it's necessarily that more people are getting married. It's just we're just seeing more of these things right now. Mm-hmm. That's the the trend right now. All right. Here's another trend for you that I, I feel like we're seeing a lot of. 
And that is business succession work, you know, trying to figure out how are we going to pass the business from generation A to generation B. We've talked about this before on the on this podcast, but it like that has been I mean, it's been a pretty hot topic for a while, but it is just, in my view, continued to be a hot topic. I don't know if you think you're seeing something else. Nope, I, I completely agree. I think, you know, a lot of times our clients you know, they've, they've built their business their entire lives. And it can be a pretty complicated business where you've got multiple entities involved, sometimes 10, 20 entities involved. And you've got it to this point where it, it's just this great machine. It can just run and run and run. But what happens when you're not there? Or what happens when you want to start taking a step back? You don't want to be the person who's in charge anymore that's, you know, making all the day-to-day -day decisions. Is it going to be your children who are getting involved? Do your children even want to get involved? I think that's a, a bigger question. You know, a lot of people just think, oh, well, my kids will take over the business. Well, do they actually want to? Because uh, that, you know, that can play a big part of it. If they don't want to, let's not place that huge burden and then have your business go a completely opposite direction of where you've always envisioned it. Let's actually make the plan to where you know what's going to happen to it at any time in the future. And I think, um, that's a really important conversation to have with the whole entire family. If, you know, sometimes we see a lot of our clients, their family is already involved. And so just really getting everyone together, if there's multiple generations involved, having that big family meeting to just see what the goals are and how we could reach that and put it in writing so that it's a nice, easy flow through type of plan. And there's no surprises along the way. Yeah, that's such a good point, too, that the family meetings sort of in conjunction with the family business, which could be a very formal business. It could be more of sort of an informal uh, investment philosophy uh, within the family. But family meetings, uh, I think, also have been a, a bit of a hot topic. We've seen a lot of interest in, from clients in holding those meetings, getting everybody around the table, trying to get everybody on the same page and trying to get organized in a logical way because I think people are starting to are seeing the value in uh, first of all accepting their own mortality because uh, you know the baby boomers are getting older and so they're sort of starting to see the fact that they they are declining in health um, and then trying to figure out you know is there a, a systematic way that can keep the good times rolling for everybody in the family and I'm I'm there's a bit of a, a connect a connected, connected issue to that, and, and that has to do with family partnerships. We're seeing a lot of work with family partnerships or family entities. Um, they just seem to, it seems to be like the, the creature that never dies. You know, it's like immortal, and they just like, they either resurrect themselves or they just keep popping up uh, and, and are, are reborn. Um, and I don't know if it's a if it's a cycle thing or what, but I, the first six months of this year, I just seem feel like I'm just seeing them all the time. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we're seeing I feel like a lot of the old family partnerships, and then starting the new ones up, where you know our clients maybe never had planning done before, yet they've got you know a whole bunch of different um, business kind of structures going on. And so, all right, let's kind of put this all under one umbrella. Let's really structure this, make it have an organiza organizational sense to all of it. And then there's the ones that have been around for 20, 30 years, and they're a little old and could use a little bit of revamping. Maybe no one's touched those uh, corporate governing documents in quite some time. So let's brush off the cobwebs and actually see if it's 
uh, everything structured the way that it should be under the current law, whether everything's done uh, the, the best way, most tax efficient way. Um, so and I, I think, you know, you and I have seen in what 2018 was the Powell case, which just kind of shook everyone, all the estate planning and tax community, where it really made everyone scrutinize family limited partnerships and whether or not, you know, if you've got um, the matriarch and the patriarch who are holding on to these entity interests, but they're trying to give it away, but they're still holding on. You, you really got to scrutinize these documents to see what exactly does each person own? What powers does each person hold? Can they vote? Can they not vote? Can they amend an agreement? And that really is something that you just kind of have to take a look at every single document. If an entity has been around for 20, 30 years, like we're talking about, and it may need to be completely be redone and, and amended and fixed up to make sure you're not going to run into these tax issues because of that case. Yeah, and related issues to that case. That case sort of dives into a, a few uh, interesting estate tax uh, problems uh, that can arise. And when they arise, they're very, to your point, like they're very difficult to get out of. I mean, we're we're about to blow up a structure for somebody for that exact reason and just start over because it. Once you, once you have the problem, uh, it, it doesn't resolve itself on its own. It's a yeah, it's a really interesting thing. Like you say, you you know we're doing feel like I feel like we're doing a lot of new family entities, family partnerships, and then just doing a lot of review of old structures. A lot of a lot of the structures were you know when they were done, they were great um, and probably done in in the right way, so to speak. But just Things change and, and you know, I wish that the law was self-implementing, but it isn't. And I know that's frustrating for people sometimes because I know sometimes clients feel like, oh, well, the lawyers, they just wanted, you know, they want to rip everything up and they want to just do new documents because lawyers make money by doing new documents, ripping everything up. And yes, it is true that uh, lawyers uh, don't do free work most of the time, but the reason that things have to be ripped up is be and redone is because the law does not implement itself, especially on the planning side, unfortunately. So that's just sort of the nature of the beast. If if uh, if people wanted the the law to do all the planning for them, then they should have lobbied Congress a lot harder than they did. Because uh, <laughs> Congress didn't do it for them. Mm -hmm, absolutely, yeah. If Congress is changing the playbook, we we've got to change the playbook too. That's that's what we got to do for our, our clients' best interests. And yeah, sorry, Congress is keeping us employed, but but yeah, they're doing a, well, they're doing a good job at that. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like uh, you know, if you're if you're in business and you used to not do business online, and now all of a sudden everybody's doing business online. Guess what? You've got to restructure your business, uh, otherwise you may just die on the vine. If you're not if you're not set up to do business in the way that people uh, interact now, and it's similar with the law, things change and you got to just restructure things. Be yeah. nimble. I like that analogy. I like that. Yeah, it's like don't don't be blockbuster. Don't yeah, be Redbox. Right. Don't be, be Kodak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I like it. Yeah. So, all right. Speaking of blockbusters, another topic <laughs> that it seems to be a hot topic. I don't know if it's really an uptick trend for us, but people seem to be a lot more aware of it. And that is conservatorships. Thank you, Britney Spears. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I think, yeah. Hashtag free Britney has definitely 
uh, taken the world by storm and made people think, oh, my God, these things are horrible. Like never want a conservatorship to happen, which that's a very good conversation to start having and why we preach to our clients about incapacity planning. A conservatorship is not fun, especially when you are. Um, in Brittany's case, alive and well and able to understand what is going on to you and someone's making all your decisions for you. Um, but yeah, it's 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 something not fun. And that's why we will again and again and again preach having revocable trusts, having powers of attorney, getting your documents done so that, you know, when you are, what, 20 something years old, like Brittany was, you do not have to have a conservatorship placed upon you for the next 20 years of your life and possibly indefinitely. So it's something that I'm at least very thankful for. And I've actually seen, um, I don't know if it's actually going to go anywhere, but I saw some lawmaker actually propose a new law in the Senate about conservatorships all based on like the Free Britney movement. And I can't remember what it was, but they're trying to change the conservatorship rules and like how restrictive and obviously it's going to be a very state by state uh, basis, but it's at least it's starting the conversation, which I feel like is a really great thing that at least people need to understand and start talking about. Yeah, I agree completely. And it's like, it's doing my job for me because I have for yeah. forever, I was trying to convince everybody that the most important thing to plan around was a conservatorship. Like everything else doesn't even matter. All the all the fancy tax stuff and who gets what money and who gets what car or all that all that crap just doesn't even matter in comparison to not having to do a, a conservatorship, at least in my mind. And I kept telling people, I was like, well, look, if you have to have a conservatorship, you will be alive for that. It might not be a pleasant experience and good chances it will not be a pleasant experience. And now Britney Spears is uh, her conservatorship is making the argument for me. So it's great. So, yeah, I, I, I like thank you, Brittany. I really appreciate that she has brought this. Uh, she and her cohorts have brought this issue to light. And if they're going to change conservatorship rules, I'm all for it. I think they're too complicated and they're a mess anyway. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in favor of it. Mm hmm. Absolutely. If, if I tell the clients that I don't like dealing with conservatorships because of just all the documents you have to file in court because of all the the uh, just information you have to be on top of all the time, provided to the court. If we don't like it as attorneys, we get paid to do it. Come on. You're definitely not going to like it if you're going to be the conservative that is subject to this. So let's try to avoid that at all costs. <laughs> I tell people I love conservatorships. I make a lot more money on conservatorships than basic planning, but right? <laughs> it's really crappy planning to just yeah. plan on doing a conservatorship. Um, all right. Another issue. This is non-Brittany related. Sorry, Brittany. Another issue that seems, at least for us, to have been a bit of a hot topic has been foreign assets. Americans dying, owning foreign assets and trying to administer the estate, uh, dealing with the foreign assets and foreign jurisdictions and international tax rules. I think, I don't know that that's, you know, maybe that's not a trend overall, but I do think to a degree, it's, uh, it's sort of a manifestation of two things. Number one, like I mentioned, baby boomers getting older. So that generation is just, they're just starting to die off um, or sort of the older part of the baby boomer generation is starting to, to die off statistically. And that generation with the rest of the world having just been a lot more international in general, you know, just a lot more people with a footprint in multiple countries in general. And the natural byproduct of that is people dying and now having complex tax and estate issues that cross international borders. And I, first six months of this year, I think we've seen a 
a big uptick in that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the more, you know, interconnected we all become, and especially after this last year where, you know, everyone had to be stuck at home, but now everyone's dying to get out again. People have realized you can work remotely. So, hey, maybe I will spend half the year in a foreign country or whatever it may be. Your assets are going to be spread out a lot more than they were before. And um, I think that's where we've seen a lot of it. And, you know, we, when we talk about it and kind of explain it in a normal sense, you know, for us here, we're always just like, well, you know, if you've got a house down in Mexico, oh, you got a house in Rocky Point near the beach. But it can be so much more complicated than that, where we're dealing with, you know, European country laws and dealing with probates and all these different countries that you would never expect us to be talking about it and researching these laws. And they can be 100%, 200% different from what we're dealing with here, where, you know, you might even ha actually have to go over to that country to figure out whatever the asset is, sign whatever documents, because that's just what they are requiring. And it makes things incredibly complicated for our clients when, you know, a, a loved one just passed away and they're kind of just figuring everything out. And now you've got a probate in the Middle East that now you have to deal with. Yep. So, okay, so I thought a fun little exercise would be to run down the list of countries that we have dealt with in some fashion <laughs> uh, in the first six months. Okay. okay, I like this. So let's just do Western Hemisphere first. So Canada, Mexico, that's easy. Mm -hmm. Canada, uh, Mexico. Costa Rica, Panama, uh, Colombia. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think if I've, I dealt with Argentina this year. I feel like there was that one other South American year. country. Argentina and Brazil, I can't remember if it's in the Western. Well, uh, Cayman Islands, mm -hmm. uh, Bahamas. Bahamas, yep. Okay, so then in Europe, the UK, mm -hmm. France, France, Switzerland, Norway, Denmark, mm -hmm. Spain. Um, okay, anything in Africa? Well, UAE or mm -hmm. Dubai. We got um, Dubai. So. Dealing with New Zealand. New Zealand, Australia. Sorry, going to Asia. Yeah, uh, I understand Australia is not in Asia, so thank you, all, all of you Australians. <laughs> We're just headed me. that way. <laughs> We're just going east, okay? So, <laughs> New Zealand, Australia, Singapore, um, Indonesia, Hong Kong, Japan, mm -hmm. China, China. Let's see if we, yeah, I think that's Russia? just no, nothing in Russia this year. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's been this year. Yeah, that's a months. lot. A lot. So yeah, it's been a weird, uh, been a weird year in that sense. Um, you know, I mean, in a fun way. So I, I think the cross border stuff is interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so another another trend in that respect then is the opposite direction. I think we're seeing a, a big uptick in foreign people trying to come to the United States. I don't know if that is COVID related, if it's driven by just all sorts of other factors that are exacerbated by COVID anyways, but it just feels like there's a lot of what we would call inbound uh, planning, meaning people moving here or moving their property here from mm -hmm. other countries. I, I don't know if you think that's a trend in the last six months or not, but it feels like it to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's the tricky ones too, where they're still, they're spending more time here than in the original home country. 
And so now we're playing with all the residency rules and where actually are they a resident of so we could figure out what tax laws are going to be applicable to them. And it honestly, in those cases, right, I mean, it comes down to the days where we're counting how many days have you been in the U.S., looking at all their assets, starting to go through, okay, where are your bank accounts? Where are your kids living? Where's your cars? Where do you vote? Where, you know, where, what do you put down on documents? It's like such a fact intensive test and it's, there's no black and white clear line. It, it really is. You kind of have to look at the entire picture and if you don't really bad tax consequences can happen. And so it's, it's, there definitely needs to be a lot of planning and luckily, I feel like a lot of our clients have kind of come to us at least ahead of time before, you know, things started to get really, really going where we could do a little bit more planning now. But in some cases, right, we've seen it where, ooh, you did the planning a little bit too late and now we got to deal with some of the consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been it's always refreshing when you get to do the planning up front before <laughs> before the bad news has to be delivered. But, yeah, sometimes people take action on their own. They don't fully understand what it is they're doing. They maybe aren't really thinking about particular tax consequences, for example, and then mm-hmm. um, they are either lucky enough or unlucky enough to meet us. I'm, I'm not sure which of the two they <laughs> they walk away from the meeting thinking, but uh, then at that point, we, we fill them in on where they might have some pain points. And there can be some significant pain points if they haven't done the planning quite right, right up front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that inward mobility. Uh, I, I there's look, there's been travel issues. We have travel bans with certain countries, but that's not everywhere in the world. And to pretend like that covers everywhere on the globe is just sort of ridiculous. So I guess it would be uh, it'd be a little bit ignorant for us to think that just because of COVID and and those kinds of restrictions that it would have really quelled the thirst internationally to park money and investments in people uh, in the United States. It just it just doesn't. That that desire has existed before COVID. It continued during COVID and it's it's roaring along this year. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I think honestly, COVID, I feel like exasperated it where people were stuck at home that they realized is this where I really want to be? Is this really what I want my home? Is this is this what I want to call home? Mm-hmm. And so maybe if that was kind of already in their mind, like it's like, all right, let's get the ball rolling. Let's go. And the U.S., I mean, the U.S. economy has been doing really well. And the U.S. real estate market has been very hot. And U.S. real estate is a very popular investment for non-U.S. people. You know, they want to take money in their currency that is volatile and put it into something that's relatively stable and you know, U.S. real estate has always kind of been uh, an easy go-to. So I guess it's not, you know, not a huge surprise. But certainly for us, I think in the first six months of the year, it's been a bit of a trend in our practice, a hot topic in our in our practice. Okay, one other thing uh, that I think has been a trend in the first six months, and that has been large gifting transactions. People trying to make use of available exemptions from gift tax and generation skipping transfer tax while they have it before Congress changes its mind uh, and reduces those numbers, or even before 2026, when if nothing happens, those numbers are going to go down anyways. So I'm I think, which was true at the end, sorry, at the end of 2020, people were very motivated to do this kind of planning. It has continued to be uh, a big motivator. Uh, people have continued to do those transactions. And I think we're just going to, throughout the rest of the year, we're just going to do a ton of it. Because if the first six months are any indication of the latter six months, it's going to be uh, a whole stack full of big gifting transactions that are somewhat complicated to put together. But 
important planning to be done in a timely basis. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought, you know, end of last year, you know, when we saw the election results, everyone thought, okay, we're probably going to see some tax changes next year. And so we got to talk to as many clients as we can. And the ones who got it done, got it done at the end of last year before we, you absolutely knew with 100% certainty, there wasn't going to be any tax changes. That's great. Well, unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, couldn't get it done in that amount of time. So we're still working on it this year before any changes can, you know, are made. They still potentially could be made retroactive this year. So we're still just kind of up in the air on what's going to happen. Um, but at least let's do the planning now while the law is currently the way it is. And I feel like at the very beginning of the year, we saw a lot of the clients who, you know, just couldn't get that push in at the end of 2020. And it's all right. They finally realized we could see a lot of changes this year. And when you started to see a lot of the proposals coming from Congress, from the White House about what they would like to do, I think that got a lot of clients thinking, oh, goodness, yes, I need to take advantage of today's tax laws and our high estate and gift tax exemption amounts before anything does get changed. And I think once we start seeing Congress really start talking about this again in the fall, it's going to pick up again. And depending on what comes out of Congress and what gets signed at the end of the day, if something's going to be you know, effective January 1, 2022, we are going to have a very busy holiday season. <laughs> yes, I think that's probably true. It does not appear that a bipartisan infrastructure bill is going to be agreed to anytime soon. They continue to sort of set deadlines and then set new deadlines and set new deadlines uh, on that bipartisan bill. I heard a few days ago Bernie Sanders saying that he thought he had 50 votes on a quote-unquote partisan uh, reconciliation bill. So it would be a bill that would be part of the budget reconciliation process that only takes 51 votes to pass, but you have a limited, you have some limitations in Congress on, on uh, how extensive those changes can can be and how much money they can inc incur in terms of cost to the economy and and or to the government. And it may be that that's what we see, and it may be that that is what's ahead of us here in the fall before uh, most of the people who are going to be on the campaign trail have to go back and look their constituents in the eye and say whether they did or did not do a thing that they promised they would have done uh, while they were in Washington, D.C. So we all wait. It would have been nice to have had some resolution by now, but I'm not surprised that we don't have a resolution on it yet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's just still keep keeping an eye on it and continually just letting everyone know you got to take advantage of what you have today while we know we have it. And we'll see what tomorrow brings. And and when, when we're talking about big gifting transactions, we're talking about $5 million, $10 million that families are gifting away and putting into trusts for their children, for grandchildren, for their spouses, um, just making sure they're trying to get this money out of their estate while they have the $11.7 million exemption now, where, you know, some of the numbers people are throwing around are potentially it getting changed to 3.5 million, get changed to 5 million. Some people said even 1 million. So those are huge drops in numbers. And if you're anywhere in that range where, you know, today you never had an estate tax concern, but if those numbers start to drop to those levels that people are proposing, now you've got a really big concern. And again, not really thinking today your net worth, but what your net worth is going to be when you pass away. So 20, 30 years from now, 
obviously, hopefully things would be going well and your money just keeps on growing. You really got to take that in consideration. And if you're not going to use that money, you don't need that money, then let's put it away. Let's gift it away to your young, uh, younger generations, to your spouse, whoever it may be, and get it out of your state so that, you know, you got the money that you need to survive on, can still enjoy and take a lovely trip to Tahiti, but you're good. You don't need anything extra. Yes. The Tahiti trip standard must be met at a minimum <laughs> you can if you can hit the tahiti trip standard uh then, then you get the green light to go ahead and do the planning <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a it's been an interesting six months of conversations along those lines right of like trying to talk to clients and say how much are you even how much are you comfortable like based on what you think you need to be comfortable for the, the remainder of your days uh if that number is less than your net worth then you probably have some some room there to make some gifts and you could do the gifts and you wouldn't even miss it um I mean, we just had tons of those kinds of conversations and you know, it takes a little bit of thought. That's not an that's not a back of the envelope response. Like you have to then sort of crunch the numbers and do some analysis to to get an answer to that question. But I just feel like first six months of this year, I'm having more of those conversations than I was even having last year. Yeah, definitely. I think it, it's finally really setting into people that there is a good probability of changes in the tax laws this year or next year, like you said, or definitely before maybe 2026. And so it's time to do something at least. Mm-hmm. At least. Well, all right. I think uh, those are the those are the hot button trends. We'll see. The latter half of the year may surprise us, maybe totally different. But at least I think for us, those are if you're sort of picking off the very, very top of the top uh, of trends, things that are an uptick for us. Those are the things that are an uptick for us, which really means those are things that matter for our clients because we're not picking these things out of thin air. They're being being driven by our clients and, and what the clients need. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. It's if you asked us, you'd spun the little wheel, right? And how much of your time mm -hmm. is spent on one of these, it's probably gonna land on one of those topics we just mentioned. Yes, indeed. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, Rachel, it's always a pleasure to catch up. So Thank you again. Absolutely. It's been fun. Hey, listeners. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Rachel and I both really appreciate it. We've really enjoyed doing the podcast. We're trying to do our best work and bring you valuable and useful information. And I hope you feel the same way. And if so, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us reviews. Uh, subscribe to our blog if you want to follow us and see the sort of things that we write about. And also follow us on social media at Wealth and Law. Basically everywhere that social media is. Thanks so much.